G'day, Troy Dean here from WP Elevation, and welcome to episode 30 of the WP Elevation podcast. I can't believe we are at episode number 30. This week's feature guest is none other than Andrew Warner from Mixergy. I'm absolutely thrilled and honored to have Andrew on the show. I had the most fun making this interview. Andrew Warner is the real deal. He's the absolute genuine article, and I learned so much spending 45 minutes with Andrew. Uh, there's no elevation round in this episode because we were tight on time, and frankly, I was just getting so much gold out of Andrew, I didn't want to interrupt the flow. Uh, the, the main takeaway that I got out of this was about how to overcome your fear and self-doubt by taking small steps one at a time. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in the elevation tip. And I'm going to give away a year's membership to Mixergy Premium, uh, which is a, an amazing uh, a library, if you like, of interviews and courses with entrepreneurs where you can dip in and learn everything you need to learn about building your own business. Uh, I don't even know what it's valued at these days, but I'm going to buy a membership of Mixergy Premium in this week's competition. This interview is full of gold. It's Andrew Warner of Mixergy. Stay with us. Let's elevate. This is the WP Elevation Podcast, helping WordPress consultants elevate. This episode of the WP Elevation podcast is brought to you by WP Elevation, the world's first business accelerator program designed specifically for WordPress consultants. If you're a WordPress consultant and you're building websites for clients using WordPress and you're building your own business, WP Elevation is the place to be. We have about 140 members, I think, right now in the WP Elevation program from all over the world who are all learning from each other and working together to help each other build the business they need to support the lifestyle that they want. It's a great time to be a WordPress consultant, so get over to WPElevation.com and come and join in the fun. This week's Elevation tip is this. Overcome your fear and self-doubt by taking one small step at a time. What does that mean? Let me give you a real live example. I was really nervous about trying to interview Andrew Warner from Mixergy. He's an absolute hero of mine. I've been following his stuff for the last couple of years. I really admire what he's doing. And frankly, the stuff that I've learned from Mixergy interviews and courses has completely transformed my business and therefore had a huge impact on my life. So I feel like I have this enormous debt of gratitude that I owe to Andrew Warner. I was really nervous about, first of all, like trying to get an interview with him. I was really nervous writing the email. I was really super nervous about the best way to position it so that I didn't come across as being needy or you know just asking for something. I was trying to work out how can I add value to Andrew. So I was really nervous about getting the relationship and then getting on Skype and interviewing him. My God, I was so nervous about interviewing. I've been having dreams about this all week. The interview went really well. I think I started off a bit shaky, but you probably won't notice, hopefully. Anyway, the point is, the only way to overcome this fear and this nerves and this self-doubt, because I was thinking, who am I to interview Andrew Warner? Like, he doesn't know who I am. I'm just this little guy in Melbourne. I'm not influential. I don't have a massive list. He's, you know, playing with the big boys in Silicon Valley. He doesn't really care about who I am. So to overcome those those voices of self-doubt, I just had to do one thing at a time. So the first thing I had to do was to write the email. And I didn't send it the day I wrote it. I was too nervous. I wrote the email, I sent it the next day. The point is, take one little step at a time and use the the incremental things that you do to overcome that self-doubt. So you write the email and you think, okay, well, that wasn't so bad. That didn't hurt. I haven't sent it yet, but that's okay. I've, at least I've written the email. Builds a little bit of confidence. You read the email. Yeah, that's pretty good. Send it the next day. Okay, well, I sent it. Haven't heard back, but that's okay. When I finally got the email back 
from uh, his assistant saying, yep, he'd go here and schedule an interview. I was punching the sky. I was over the moon. So taking one small step at a time to help build your confidence to overcome your self-doubt. And Andrew talks a lot about that in this interview, so keep your ears out for it. All right. You all know Andrew Warner from Mixergy. If you don't, then you should. Uh, Andrew Warner is the founder of Mixergy, home of the ambitious upstart, where he interviews He's interviewed, I think, now a 1,000 entrepreneurs, uh, and there are courses in the premium side of Mixergy as well where you can learn everything about building landing pages, cold calling, customer service, building products, hiring staff, managing cash flow, whatever you need to learn in your business, you can learn at Mixergy. As I mentioned, I'm giving away a Mixergy premium membership in this episode, so keep your ears out for how you can enter that competition. But without further ado, let's go and meet Andrew Warner from Mixergy. G'day, I'm Troy Dane from WP Elevation, and I'm absolutely beside myself with excitement to have with me all the way from San Francisco, Andrew Warner from Mixergy. Good afternoon, Andrew. How are you? G'day, mate. <laughs> Dude, have you been rehearsing that? No, I just heard you say it. I said, oh, that's right. They do talk like that. <laughs> Not all of us, but some of us do, yes. Hey, um, I'm a huge fan of, uh, of Mixergy, and I'm a huge fan of yours. And I must thank James Shramko, who, when I interviewed him... Uh, at the end of my interviews, I asked people, who would you like me to interview? And he said, I think you should find uh, someone who you really respect and admire and one of your heroes and reach out to them. And I went, right, Andrew Warner is now top of my list. I'm coming to get you. So thank you very much, James, for the confidence and the inspiration to, uh, to track down Andrew. We're going to talk about all things Mixergy and internet entrepreneur stuff. And I've got some reader questions. It's going to be a cracking interview. But before we get into all of that, Andrew Warner, when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be first a cop when I was a little boy, and then I wanted to be an entrepreneur in the worst way. I know it's weird. I did. <laughs> How do you mean? Explain. Um, I used to love when it snowed, and I would go door to door in my neighborhood and ask people if I could shovel their snow. And then if I worked up the confidence to ask someone to work up to, to shovel their snow for 20 bucks, I could maybe get 20 bucks and then go home with, with more money. And at the end of the day, really, I could end up with $100. Think about $100 when you're just like a, an 11-year-old kid. It was amazing. So when you say the worst way, you just want to be an entrepreneur just to make money. Is that what, you, is that oh, what you're referring uh, to? You know what I wanted to do? I wanted to be I, to me, entrepreneurship was creativity. The way that some people like to work with art, with different, uh, with ceramics, with uh, with um, uh, with paint. I like to work with entrepreneurship. The idea that something could pop in your head and then it becomes reality in the world that people like so much that they pay for, that they interact with, that they want to work for the company that creates it. That's exciting. And I used to look at. Let me see. Can you even see it on my phone? I used to look at comic books, not so much because I cared about the comics, but because I loved the ads in them. They would always get my imagination fired up. They would sell, um, they would sell, uh, x-ray glasses. They would sell, um, uh, what is that called? Um, shoot, all kinds of stuff. They would sell this. I don't know if you could see it. It's now the backdrop. Uh -huh. This is Charles Atlas who had the, the comic, uh, comic ad where the kid is on the beach and he's skinny and he and his girlfriend are sitting there and this guy who's a muscle man comes and sprays sand in the kid's face and then he feels like a loser and he goes and he reads a book that Charles Atlas wrote about how to be strong and as a result, he gets to knock out the nemesis next time. I used to love that. I bought that. I, got, I bought into the whole, like, the whole idea of, of working out because of that but also of wanting to create something like that. 
Oh, sea monkeys is what I was thinking about. That's oh, the other thing yeah. I used to buy from those ads. Anyway, and I always imagined somebody created that that's now putting this imagination of superpower in my head, this imagination of those sea monkeys in a jar being these pets of mine. And I thought I would like to be able to do that for someone else. So when and so that's what entrepreneurship was. So at what point did you discover the web and at what point did you kind of realize that your passion for being an entrepreneur and creating something was going to work perfectly on the internet? You know, I, I discovered the web a long time before I actually and got into it as a fan, a long time before I got into it as a business. I was really going to create more of a physical product business or it was going to be a magazine. I used to love uh, this magazine called Audacity that Forbes magazine used to put out as a sister publication. It would be page after page of long-form biographies of people who you never heard of but who were huge in their days, who influenced the world today. And I thought, I would like to write a magazine like that. And when Audacity magazine, and the title gives you a sense of what it was about, mm. when Audacity magazine folded, I thought, that's going to be my business. And I started creating Audacity magazine, what I called Success Magazine. And I started writing the articles myself. And this was right after I graduated from college. And my kid brother was doing an online business. It was, I think it was email, uh, email newsletters. And I thought, Look at how fast he's growing and how slowly I'm going to even create the first issue. And I thought, forget it. Let's just go for, towards the future. Wow. So, like, how did you – so Audacity Magazine folds and Andrew Warner straight out of college goes, I'm going to fill that hole that they've just left there. Like, like, at what, like, at what point did you think that was even possible? Weren't you thinking, like, I'm just a kid out of college. How can I possibly fill that void? You are what you surround yourself with and you want to do what your heroes are doing. And a great example of that is when I taught Dale Carnegie, the head instructor who I worked for was using like the word like, like every like sentence, all like the time, all the time. And you wonder why is a guy who's a professional speaker who teaches other people how to relate to human beings and how to give presentations, why is he saying the word like? And it turns out his wife was a teacher. She taught uh, students who were using the word like a lot. The students were using it. His wife picked up the word like. And she started like using it like all the time. <laughs> picked it up from her and started like using it all like the time. And so what I discovered through that is that it works even through three degrees of separation. The kids got her and he got it. I mean, the kids infected her with this word and she infected him. And so I think that if I surrounded myself in New York with entrepreneurs because they happen to be around, if I read magazines like Audacity Magazine, I naturally wanted to be and acted more like the people in those magazines. And so naturally the thought in my head became, well, I should go do it. Wow. A similar experience happened to me earlier uh, this month where I, or last month actually, where I talked to this guy, Hal Elrod, about waking up early. And I was going to later on put into action some of the things that he suggested. But what I found was the very next day, before I intentionally put into action anything that he told me, I just got up out of bed when the alarm went off. I didn't hit, didn't go back into bed because we were just talking about it. And so what I mean is when you surround yourself with people who are doing something, you naturally start to do that, whether it's just using the word like or starting businesses or getting up early. And I surrounded myself with stories from magazines like Audacity or Forbes magazine and biographies of successful people. Mm. Now, 
That totally resonates. I, I, I read Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, and there's a similar kind of theme in that, that uh, there's, this, there's this line, if you're the smartest person in your network, you're in the wrong network. And uh, yeah, so it, it, that resonates a lot. Thinking about Mixergy, where you are right now, when you meet someone for the first time, how do you describe what it is you do in one sentence? What's the elevator pitch, so to speak? You know, there, there are two different ways that I do it. One way is to say, you know how when you read about someone starting a company, it seems so easy, but when you actually start one yourself, finding customers, getting revenue, finding anyone to even notice is tough, and people will do what you just did, which is nod. And then I run a site, entrepreneurs who are proven successful guys and women come in and teach new entrepreneurs and other entrepreneurs how to build their businesses. And so it's that two form, that, that question with the response that often works. So that's one way that I do it. I run a site where proven entrepreneurs teach how, they, how to build a business. And the second way I do it is if I'm at a party and I don't really want to talk about what I'm doing because I talk about it all the time, I just say, I, uh, I, I run an interview site and then I move on. <laughs> what I find is at a party, I don't really need another person who's going to be a good contact for me. I have so many great contacts. At a party where it's social, I want to get to know someone personally. And the question of what do you do for a living just distracts from that. Yeah, the, I like the, the first kind of template you use. You kind of set up the problem first and get people agreeing that, oh, yeah, that is a problem. I remember that. I, I wish there was a, an answer for that. And then you offer the fact that you have a solution. It's a really, yep. nice, uh, really nice template. What do you spend most of your time actually doing day to day apart from interviewing entrepreneurs? So thankfully now the interviewing part doesn't take me too long. We're, we're set with that meaning we have a really good process. We have Anne-Marie, who you heard me talk to before we started. She's, uh, I don't really have, we don't have a, a full title for her yet, but I would say maybe executive producer of all the interviews and courses is the answer because she makes sure that we have a calendar of upcoming guests that's all scheduled and that everyone in the process of booking guests and, and pre-interviewing them and researching them and editing and posting and all that is is done right. So now where I get to spend time is in projects, things that are meaningful. And for me, one of the things that I hope will be my legacy is this uh, concept that I call True Mind. What I realized is that there are a lot of people in the Mixergy audience who listen to these interviews, who know exactly what they do, but they don't do it. And you might have discovered that you've been in a situation like that. I know I was. And so I started asking them, what's the problem? What's keeping you from making the calls to, know, to, to understand what your customers want or making the calls to sell when you finally have a product? And they said, you know, I worry that the people I call will think that I'm not important enough yet. I worry that uh, they're too busy. I worry that I won't know what to do. All these things go on in our heads. It's like what we call countermind thoughts. You want to do something, the countermind distracts you. And it keeps us from the true mind, which is the true mind says, you know what? If they don't have time for me, fine. I can handle it. There are plenty of other people for me to call. If they won't take my call, fine. I can continue until I find someone who will. If they take my call and they don't want to talk to me, fine. I'll learn why they don't care about this product, you know? And then I'll improve. That's the true mind. I want to talk about and I want to help people figure out how to express more of their true mind. And when we do that, then we feel so confident that employees want to work with us, that customers want to buy from us, that we're just happier. And when we don't do that, we feel like this insecure nothing that no one is going to want to talk to us, that we could actually finally do everything exactly right and still nothing will work out because we have this mush feel on us. And so exploring that. We're going to, I want to explore this a little more later on in, in the interview, but uh, in, in the interest of full disclosure, uh, when I 
went through the process of approaching you uh, to, to try and get an interview, I had all these voices in my head saying, you know, there's no way I'm going to get Andrew Warner on my podcast because who the hell am I? I'm this little guy from Melbourne who, you know, has a small audience. He's probably got a three-month wait list of people trying to interview him who have bigger lists and more influence than me. And I know what my strategies are for working through those voices of self-doubt, but I'm going to talk about yours uh, in, a, in a little more. But I actually think there's a huge – because one of the questions I've got here is – how do you implement all the stuff you learn? So you learn stuff every day from entrepreneurs that you're talking about. How do you, what's the process for then actually, because if you don't implement it, it's just infotainment, right? How do you actually take that learning and apply it to business? What's the process to make sure you implement new things that you learn? You know, I try because I get exposed to so much to not feel guilty if I don't implement it all. Um, and to just take what I can use when I need it and not force the rest. So for example, I did a course with the founder of Visual Website Optimizer. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I really needed to create a better landing page for myself. And I just internalized everything he said and I applied everything, everything he said and I just worked through it. And when I couldn't increase my conversions any further, I went back and I looked at the, at the course again and I thought, oh yeah, right, my logo's a little too big. I can make it smaller and feature the headline. Oh yeah, right, my headline is not concrete enough. No one knows what I'm offering. And I kept changing it. And at that month when I recorded that course, I might have done four other three other, I don't know actually, maybe another course, maybe another 20 interviews that month, I don't remember. But I didn't apply everything at the time. It's just kind of stuck in my head. And I think that's okay. I think it's okay if those ideas stick with, with me because the time when I need them, they'll just come out, they'll be expressed. Mm. That's a really nice philosophy. It reminds me, uh, Jason and David from 37 Signals say in Rework um, that they don't, they don't write new ideas down because if a new idea is good enough, it just keeps coming up in conversation. It keeps coming up in your conscious mind anyway. So they don't have a massive to-do list of things they want to get through. The only thing that's on their to-do list are those ideas that just won't go away. That makes sense. I've seen people do that. And, and I kind of think of because Mixergy has so many different ideas and so many different courses and interviews, I think we're at the time that we're recording, we're almost at 1,000 published interviews, mm. over 100 courses. I think of it more as a library. When I, when I have a challenge, I don't want to have to try to integrate every one solution into, into mine. But I want to think of, well, here's a library of ideas. Which one is going to be most helpful? It's like a vending machine that you can just kind of dip in and take out what you need at, at, yeah. at, at that time. And just yeah. think of it one at a time, one yeah. at a time. So, for example, a long time ago, I did an interview with, um, with Seth Godin. And in that interview, I asked him a question that was very important to me, which is, you tell me to have a tribe. No one's even watching my interviews. How am I going to get a tribe, let alone a, like a viewer even? And he just reminded me. There was a time that he told me about a politician who was trying to get started and no one cared. No one would show up to his events. It was just him and one photographer who was documenting his experience going from stump speech to stump speech and no one would show up. And then a small crowd would come and then a big one and then a bigger and bigger and bigger and that man ended up becoming president and that person was actually Barack Obama. Wow. And I think a lot of presidential candidates can say the same thing happened to them. And I remembered with Mixergy when I was starting when I didn't have a huge crowd, when it was just a small group of people, that hearing him say that was reassuring. It reminded me I wasn't on the wrong track. Mm. I was just early on the right track. And I have to keep thinking of the small crowd and then the bigger and so on. 
Mm. Well, same thing happened with, with True Mind. I came up with this idea where we recognize our countermind thoughts and we have to find a way to focus on the True Mind thoughts. And I thought, well, no one's paying attention to this. What's the point? Should I keep doing it? And I remembered it's not about building that big crowd. It's about just the small crowd and then the bigger and the bigger. And today we have uh, a nice little community on True Mind. And if you were to talk to me in two years, I bet you'll see that it's going to be a much, much bigger community. Mm. And it starts out smaller. Awesome. What do you do when you're not working? How do you how do you how do you get that balance? How do you reset your brain and kind of chill out? My big passion is running, long distance running. Mm. Um, I love destination runs. If I could go from home, another twenty miles to hotel, sleep over at the hotel, and then maybe do another fifteen miles to another hotel, or even go home, that feels like a real adventure for me because. In between, if I get stuck at 10 miles out, there's often nothing I could do. I just have to find a way to battle through it. If I'm 17 miles in my run and I just don't feel like doing it anymore, I can't just stop. I won't just stop and sit on the floor, right? I have another three miles, so I'll go for it. And I feel like that's very analogous to business. A lot of times in business, I feel like I just want to stop. I want to give up. But I think of myself as a marathon runner. And a marathon runner just has those peaks and valleys so many times in a run and you just have to ride them out. And you can't allow your body and brain when they're feeling like, oh, I don't care about this anymore to dictate what you're gonna do. You have to keep doing it at that point. And the way you earn crossing that finish line is not just by moving your legs, but by just powering through when you're full of doubt, powering through when your legs don't wanna keep going. This is, there's so much gold in what you're saying. And, and so many entrepreneurs I speak to have the same, they love running. Running is really common with entrepreneurs. Mm. And I think it's because you can't quit. When you're in the middle of a long distance run, if you stop, you're going to have to get home somehow, probably walk it, which is going to take you twice as long. So you may as well just keep running. We've come this far. We may as well keep going. Yep. Yep. Unlike I used to go to the gym and lift weights. And I found that if I wasn't into lifting weights that day, I would really stall in between sets. I would just kind of procrastinate, especially if I took my phone in there so that I could take <laughs> right down the sets on the phone or the reps. And then I'd just say, well, let's check email one more time. You can't <laughs> do that when you're running. You can't. Awesome. Um, if you could wave a magic wand and fix one thing in your business right now, what would it be? I do think our WordPress site needs more help. I talked to you about this before we started mm. because I think that I've allowed it to stagnate. I think that I've allowed myself to add too much to it and it's becoming slow. It's becoming out of date. It's becoming a poor representation of the material that's on there. And I, I'm going to be working to, to improve it. It's one of the things that I'd like to do mm. this year. Cool. Nice. All right. Let's talk a little bit about your history. Um, it's very well documented, so I don't want to go into the details, but I do want to ask some questions about on a more personal level, how did building, and for those of you that don't know, Andrew, it's very well documented, built a $38 million a year company and then sold it. I want to know how that changes someone. How did building and selling a $38 million a year company change Andrew Warner? Um, I want to be upfront and say, I don't remember what the sales were when we sold, but yes, at their height, they were 38 million or 35. I forget. Actually, you seem to have done the research or you remember <laughs> the exact number. I've been saying so much that it's over 30 million that I forget the exact number. But the way it changed me was this, that I was burned out and I had the freedom to do whatever I wanted. And so um, one thing I wanted to do was just do nothing but read. And so I got a place in, uh, this, is, this was one of the best experiences in Venice Beach, California. And I was gonna pay week to week because I didn't wanna commit myself to a long-term agreement, not even month to month. 
And I got a room there that I didn't like. And I said, can't you give me a room that looks over the beach? Because I'd like to actually see the ocean every morning. And the guy said, well, someone else has it. And I said, I will pay them a thousand bucks to move out of that room if they could do it in two days. Will you walk over and tell them that I will do that? And within two days, I was in that room and I had that ocean view and it was wonderful. Oh, wow. Except for one thing. Saturdays in Venice Beach, the drums start playing and people start doing their thing. But even that became good because the other thing that I would do is I would go out every night or six nights out of seven nights a week. But during the day, I would often go for long bike rides to keep myself busy. And so if the drums were going to play on Venice Beach, I'd have to get up and go bike ride. And so I would do that. Wow. So, yeah. and, and so why was that different from the Andrew Warner pre-sale of the company? The Andrew Warner before could not be idle, had to do something business related. Anything, anything like riding a bike would be too idle. Would be if I went to Central Park to relax, I would bring a stack of magazines and highlight the parts that I needed to be aware of for work because that was important. I would go home early, maybe like at 10 o'clock was early, and I would sit with my laptop in bed and work. That Andrew Warner was gone. I thought I was never going to work again. I remember just walk in the mornings. I wouldn't even have my own coffee maker. I would walk out to Venice Beach and pick up a cup of coffee, and then I was trying to work out every day. And so the the um, the coach I had said you have to eat a lot of protein. So I would have uh, a turkey sandwich, a lot of turkey, very little bit of bread, and you know, and that was my breakfast for the day. And then I'd go do something, and wouldn't even make any food at home. It was that kind of experience. Wow. Um you know, uh, like the, the obvious question is, well, you've knocked it out of the park. You've hit a home run. You've built a successful online company. You've sold out. Wh why aren't you just chilling out on a beach now? Like wh wh why did you come back and do something? I was going to. I didn't ever want to do anything again. I didn't get to keep $38 million, by the way. That was sales, and then we had profits, and then sure. we split the profits with me, my brother, and the government. But I had enough that I was going to just do nothing but sit on the beach because I was so burned out and it was going to be a great life, except at some point I felt a calling to go back and I started inching my way back. I would put ads on Craigslist, you know, those free ads where I said, I'll help anyone out with anything. <laughs> and, and I said, I'll put together a mastermind of people and we'll talk every week and I'll lead it. And it was just like these little random things that I would do. And then I went to Europe and disappeared on that for a bit. I said, hey, guys, all right, I think I'm done. I'm glad, and I, I'm glad I helped if I did help, but I'm going to go and just travel through Europe, and I did that. And then after Europe, where I was really just traveling and doing nothing, I started to journal, and more and more of my journaling was about the next stage of my life, and I realized I need to do something more meaningful. And that's wow. what brought me back. So what happens to Mixergy once Andrew Warner's had enough of Mixergy? I was watching this documentary of, uh, of Johnny Carson that showed all the Carson tapes of all those shows that he put on being stored what felt like millions of miles under the ground in a salt mine. So I thought <laughs> it's preserving tape, but okay. You know, it was like nuclear protected. And I thought, this is what our culture does to comedy, to entertainment. It values it so much. And in fact, it's not that it values it. It's that Johnny Carson valued his ideas so much that he would go out of his way to, to protect it. I think the same thing needs to happen with my interviews with entrepreneurs. I believe what I am documenting at this point is how, how the world as the future will know it was created. 
It is being created by entrepreneurs like the founders of Airbnb who came on to talk about their idea and how they made it work. It is being created by people like Jimmy Wales, who I, came, who I interviewed about how he got the world to write his encyclopedia for him for free. You know, It's these people who are changing the face of the world who for 50 years from now, we're going to be looking back and saying, oh yeah, there was a time before them and this is how they shaped them. Well, I'm appreciating them now. I'm recording it and I would like this to be part of my legacy. And so once, once I mean, because the, 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 the question I guess I'm trying to ask is, once you move on, does Mixergy still exist? Can Mixergy still exist if Andrew Warner's not in the hot seat behind the microphone? I don't think that it can continue right now, no. I don't know how. I, I'm kind of trapping myself this way, and I like this. <laughs> and that I have to show up. If I decide that, you know what, I'm going to take a year off and not do these interviews, the thing will not grow. It, it just absolutely will not. There's no mechanism for it to grow on its own. The traffic that we get is not coming because we're good at SEO and getting better every month and pulling more people in. It's coming because uh, we're not buying ads. It's coming because I'm doing an interview with someone who has a following and people are out there being more and more curious about these tech startups that I interview. And so mm. they'll find the interviews and that's what's bringing people in. I think in the future it will outlive me. I'm putting into TrueMind, for example, different processes for, for the ideas to grow even without me. And I, I don't know how, but maybe in Mixergy we can do the same thing. Mm. So would you ever put anyone else in the hot seat and let anyone else host an interview on Mixergy? I don't think so. I've considered it. I don't think so. I don't think so. Part of the thing that I'd like to leave as a legacy is the idea of, of doing interviews. Look at all the people you've gotten to meet from your interviews. Mm. Look at gotten to learn. And frankly, if you just spend about an hour with a, with a stranger who you admire, you're going to learn a lot. If you spend an hour with someone who's close to you who you admire and are curious about, you're going to learn a lot. So I want to find a way to encourage more people to do interviews, not necessarily on Mixergy, but to do them the way you're doing them. Mm. I think that I need to find a, a better path to teach it. We teach it on Mixergy Premium and many people have taken that. I have a free guide on interviewyourheroes.com, but I haven't really updated that in maybe five years. I don't know, four years, something like that. I think it's time for me to create something that will allow people to learn how to do interviews and will keep refreshing and growing even if I'm not there. And that's something that the community can help grow. And that's something that will outlive me. Mm. The interviews were never the end goal. The interviews are just a path to the end goal. The end goal is to create a legacy that outlives me, a legacy that grows even when I'm gone. Well, I'm looking forward to uh, looking forward to more of that. You're, I want to talk about. I want to talk. Come back a little bit and talk about self doubt and vulnerability. So the one thing that really, one thing that I really like about yourself and John Lee Damas from Entrepreneur on Fire, and I listen to you guys a lot when I'm walking the dog around the park first thing in the morning, is how open and transparent you are about your self doubt and how you've worked through that to just do it anyway. And it's certainly been something that has inspired me to take action when I'm feeling like. I'm crazy and no one's going to listen and I'm just going to be talking to myself. I think, well, if Andrew and John can do it, then there's no excuse I'm going to do it. But here's the thing. How do you overcome feeling vulnerable in order to be that transparent and open and honest with your audience and tell them that you go through this, this process of self-doubt? You know, I guess I did it a little at a time and it was okay. And I thought, oh, that's fine. Oh, yeah, that's fine. And so that's a big part of it. Um... Yeah, I, I also just want to be, I want to be myself as much as possible. I don't want to pretend. How many times do you see people who are 
like self-improvement experts who are then unable to have anyone over to their house because they're not doing that well. And so if you go to their house, you feel like, oh, this was a sham. They had a really nice suit, but mm. you know that's all they had. <laughs> and it becomes this big weight to hide that. And then as you, as you have kids, then what, do you recruit them into this big lie that you're, of who you're not, you know, and they have to pretend that? It becomes this big weight. As opposed to saying, all along, here's who I am. And then telling the world they could go take a hike if they're not interested. And it's a really good feeling. You feel, you feel invincible, especially if you say it and then you realize that nothing bad happens and then you say it again and you realize that people connect with it. It's great. I'm actually, one of my missions is to encourage more entrepreneurs to talk about that. Just like with failure, there's, I talked to this entrepreneur in Japan and he said, you don't understand, Andrew, everything you're saying in the US about debt doesn't apply to us. He said, I have debt and if I don't pay this debt, my my business life is not going to go on like nothing the way it might in the US. It's a crushing blow for us. It lives with you for a long time. We don't have the ability to do it. Well, in the US, people are comfortable saying my business failed in the past. You get to you get another shot at it. People mm -hmm. are comfortable saying I racked up all this debt and my company couldn't pay and I had to shut it down and it's sad for the people who I owed money to and I apologize and I really do regret it, but I can't do anything about it. I'm going to start another company. To be able to say that is empowering. Mm. To be able to know that you could say that is empowering too. How many entrepreneurs start off today saying, what's the worst thing that can happen? I can go bankrupt. Is bankruptcy the end of the world? No, it's fine. It's fine, totally. And so you can do it. So what I'm saying is when we accept the possibility of failure and the reality of, of failure and we're open about it, we become more powerful, not less powerful. When we accept our inner vulnerability and we are open about it, when we expect, accept our inner insecurities and we're open about it, we don't become less powerful, we become more invincible, more able to function in the world and unshackled. And you could try it. And then here's another thing. People always wanna know how I get my guests to open up. What they don't recognize is something that I've seen when I've gone through my transcripts. I will open up about something at like minute 20 or minute mm -hmm. 15 the person who I'm interviewing won't know what to do with it necessarily yet, but at minute 45, they're opening up. Mm. And the reason they're opening up is a direct relation to the fact that if I open up, they see that it's okay and they open up. The other thing is opening up creates a bonding experience. If you admit your insecurity or your failure in the right way, you don't want to seem like too needy and too, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Wingy. Too, what's the word? Wingy. Wingy. I never heard that word, but you yeah. don't want to seem wingy. <laughs> But if you open it up, you see that it's a really good, good bonding experience. People feel more connected. And so I am here to advocate for self-acceptance. I'm very much like Oprah that way. Well, I hope you've been paying attention, kids, because that right there was worth the price of admission. And given the fact this is a free podcast, that's not too bad. Uh, <laughs> the other thing that you get people to open up about is revenues. And I'm curious, because and it seems like there's this trend at the moment that everyone's talking about their revenues. And it's this way of kind of being really transparent. I'm curious as to, I can't make up my mind whether it's a gimmick or whether it actually matters. So why do you think talking about revenues actually matters for new entrepreneurs to look at their heroes? Why do you think it's important that we know revenues? I think it depends. I think that there's a lot of people who are in the self-improvement or make money quick business who share their revenue and they're kind of in this like little spiral where I make money by teaching other people how to make money. And I don't know that it helps that much. But where it's especially helpful, I think, is in this tech startup world, where I had that company that you were talking about, and I was a nothing to most people in the startup world because I didn't have uh, funding. 
Mm. We value funding in the startup world and we don't value revenue. And I think that there's logic to that, right? I mean, if a, if an investor is investing in a company, he does not want to pay, he doesn't want to pay taxes year after year. He doesn't want the company to pay taxes year after year on their profits. He wants them to grow, sell, and then he could make money off of the um, off of the capital gains. I get it. it. The logic of it makes a lot of sense. But we're ignoring revenues in the startup space. You can do a search on TechCrunch for the word revenues and, and a word related to funding, and you'll find that revenues are talked about much less than funding. We celebrate funding. We don't celebrate revenues. We celebrate exits. We don't celebrate revenues. And the reason I started doing it is because I felt crappy with revenues and profits. Actually, I felt empowered. The world tried to make me feel crappy about it at Bradford Marie, the previous company that you talked about, and I'm not going to stand for it. I'm going to stand up here, and I'm actually going to ask about revenues. I could hear the word no. I could hear, hey, Andrew, that's too personal, or I could hear the number or anything else. But what's important is that the world understands that there is a line in everyone's financial statements that's important to talk about mm. and to at least acknowledge the existence of it, and we're going to do it. Do you think it also um, eliminates the – people who are trying to pull the wool over your eyes like if you actually talk about revenues and and you know it actually it actually now means that we have to have a transparent conversation we might have raised a heap of funding but we haven't raised an invoice yet uh maybe maybe i think maybe there's a lot of people actually who have nothing going on but they could point to the fact that they raise a certain amount of money and that's it yeah, and I do think that there are a lot of people who got credibility from that. And then they could continue to speak at different startup events because they got money from uh, whatever top brand venture investor or angel that they can say, and they can do it, and they can milk that forever. And yeah, that is a problem. I get it. That's a, that's an issue. But frankly, we're not immune to it in the revenue world either because how many entrepreneurs have Google and Microsoft as customers on their customer list on the homepage when really they sold to one guy who had a Microsoft at Microsoft email? Yeah. I get it. I don't want to pretend that they are wrong completely and that I am right completely. What I want to say is that in order to really understand business, we have to have a broad understanding, and that includes revenues. And frankly, if you have revenues and profits, you have so much more pro power mm. than if you have neither of them. Mm. Your investors can walk away, but if your customers stick around, then you're going to be doing well. Mm. A quick question on Bradford and Reed. Where did the name come from? Because it sounds like a law firm, Bradford and Reed. I went to the Jamaica Library and I got a book on old American names and I found the two that seemed to go together and I merged them into what sounded like a law firm. And I thought, it sounds like a law firm, people will pick. We'll Brilliant. Uh, we're going to skip the elevation round in this interview because we're short on time and I'm sure our, our listeners will be okay with that. But I'm going to ask some reader questions. So Jared wants to know, how do you get unstuck? Uh, one thing that I do to get unstuck is... I change the way I'm doing it, or actually here's one, I commit to something outside of myself. So with running, if I find that I'm not really running, signing up for a marathon will get me running. If I find mm. that I am not really ready to do another interview, just scheduling one will cause me to have to get it together. So scheduling something outside myself helps. Awesome. Um, Wade Allen Collins says, as WordPress consultants, we trade time for money. Eventually, we need to leverage that and build other streams of income. What are the streams of income that you've been able to develop, which means you no longer have to sell your time for money? The best thing is a membership site. I am such a big believer in a membership site. Pay, uh, charge for your content online or charge for a community or charge for something that you make online. And if you're going to create WordPress sites for other people, might as well have one for yourself. And if you're going to do that, I'd suggest not advertising, which is going to force you to get an insane amount of traffic, but membership, which is going to force you to get an insane amount of knowledge and passion for the very few people who are going to be in there. 
That's great advice. Uh, Michelle, one of our staff members here, says, um, you know, reading a little bit about your history, where you first started Mixergy, you talk about the fact that it failed. What, what's your mindset in, in how do you then keep going, even though you've just done something that's failed and it's very frustrating, how do you then keep going thinking, at some point, I'm going to succeed? I could focus on what I don't want or I could focus on what I do want. I could walk into work every day saying, well, my previous company failed. And I had a company after Bradford and Reed that failed. I could walk in saying, well, maybe I'm too old. Maybe I'm too inexperienced. Maybe I'm not smart enough, you know, especially if I'm meeting all these people. Mark Suster is a brilliant investor and a brilliant entrepreneur. And he's just a brilliant connector with people. Like he'll connect with you in five seconds and you'll feel like you love him. I can walk around saying, well, I don't have that. I didn't build these kinds of companies. Or, and that's all the stuff that I don't want. Or I can focus on what I do want. And to focus on what I do want brings me closer to it. How it helps me pay more attention to it. When I was in Argentina, I noticed that there were a lot of people who had kinds of beads like this. In every country I go to, they have it. And so I, I took a set of beads that just looked kind of like this. And I said, what do I want instead of what, what, what am I upset with? And what I wanted was to have 200 members in my WordPress membership site, you know? 200 people. I would walk around just like, like a mental patient almost. And I would just do 200, 200, 200. And I would say the word 200 and I would move a bead. 200 and I would move a bead. And I would walk into work like that. I was on their, their soup day, their subway there. And I would do 200 mentally and move a bead. Mentally say 200, move a bead. I would walk in there like a fighter, like someone who was ready to tear the world apart, you know, because I was now so fixated on what I wanted. And that's the difference. As opposed to before that, where I would walk into work in Argentina saying, I rented this office just for interviews. No one rents an office for interviews. Who do I think I am? What am I doing with like, this is really bad use of my money and my time to rent the space and to think that interviews is so important that I would, no, I stopped that and I got to 200, 200, 200, 200. By the way, we got 200 members before I left Argentina and then I moved to Washington DC and I ended up with over 200 members a month signing up every month. Wow. Gotta focus on what you want. That is awesome. And, and, you know, one of the things that I find with, with people in small business is they don't know what they want. I ask our members that all the time. What is it you want this business to look like in six months' time? And they don't know because yeah. a lot of small business owners, a lot of entrepreneurs have basically just bought themselves a job. So they got rid of their boss. They're now their own boss, but they haven't actually worked out what it is they want. So once you work out what it is you want, then you can focus on it like a laser until you get it. Yeah, no, people are not experienced enough in it. They're too experienced in what they don't want. They're too experienced in remembering the things that failed for them in the past. Awesome. All right. Uh, just before we wrap up, a quick competition. Uh, we, As I mentioned earlier on, we are giving away a Mixergy Premium account for a year, which is just insane value. It's, uh, if you don't, if you, I can't even tell you how good a Mixergy Premium account is. So what we're going to do is we're going to um, leave a comment under this video and tell us the number one WordPress entrepreneur that you would like to see interviewed on Mixergy. And uh, I'll get Andrew to swing by in a couple of weeks and award the prize. How's that sound, Andrew? I would love it. Let me know who the... Uh, actually... Please keep letting me know who you guys think I should be interviewing, especially in the WordPress community. I've seen so many fantastic businesses built on top of it, including Mixergy. So yeah, I would love to find more entrepreneurs to interview who are building successful companies on or because of the WordPress platform. We'll definitely keep you posted there. What is the future of Mixergy? What is Mixergy going to look like in 12 months' time? I think in 12 months' time, it is going to hopefully look a lot nicer because we'll improve the design of the site. And I think it's going to be much more capable of helping people with their problems. Right now I have a thousand interviews. It's going to be hard for you to find the perfect one. I want to make it easier for you to find that and then get the result that, you're, that you came to that interview for. 
That's a, uh, a nice challenge you've got ahead of you there, man. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. Um, if I organize a conference in Australia for entrepreneurs, will you come out and speak? I don't know. I don't, I don't even do – you're right. I, I try not to even do interviews anymore because I've been keeping so much time away from the Mixergy community that um, – but you know what? But I like you so much that I, I pushed aside other stuff in order to do this. Um, awesome. So I don't know. I don't know. I've been saying no to conferences, but I might. And I've never cool. been to Australia. All right. Well, that's not a no. So, you know. You're uh, damn good. I, can I say damn on this, inter- on this interview? Absolutely. You can say whatever you like. You're really good. I've talked to you and I've watched you build this community up. You have a community of people who are, who are so credible, who are so good that I, that I told you before the program that I would like to work with your community somehow. I like it. I like the way that you've built it based on, um, based on how good a person you are instead of based on desperation to just get anyone in there. And so if I look at your community and I've seen your community members, there are people who I would love to work with, love to get to know, love to hang out with because of the quality of the, of the work that you put in. And you know it and you must know that, you, that taking some shortcuts would have helped you, that going on the attack on some crazy mission against someone just to drum up attention for yourself would have helped you. Going from, I don't know, you could have really gone in a really crappy way just to get attention and you didn't and the quality here shows and the people who are listening, I love you guys and I know it because you've been part of a really good community. Well, thank you very much. I'm honored and chuffed that you've said that. I really appreciate the feedback, Andrew. That means a lot coming from you. Thank you. Thanks for having me on here. My final question is, who would you like me to try and interview and why? Uh, ooh, that's a really good question. Tell me what your biggest problem is. One of the things that I've discovered is if I do an interview based on my personal problem and I, I learn from that guest, then the questions are going to be so much more meaningful for my audience. Yeah. Um, building our team is the biggest problem right now that we're trying to solve. Ah, so it's how to hire people? Yeah. Okay. Here's who I'm going to tell you to interview. I hope he'll say yes because he's so good. Noah Kagan. Have you had him on yet? I've, I actually met Noah at a startup conference out here in Australia a few months back. Noah gave me such good advice on how to hire people because it's, it's not just how to bring someone on board, but how to qualify them and make sure that they're going to be a really good fit for you. Yeah. I hire just about everyone based on what he taught me. He's so freaking good at oh. that. And he doesn't really talk about it much. I don't know why. Maybe, maybe it's not a huge draw for people, but it's... It's really um, – it's a topic that, that I've gotten a lot of from him. And it's not just full-time people. It's everything from interns to those outsourcers. He's really good at that. Awesome. All right, Noah Kagan, I'm coming to get you courtesy of Andrew Warner, so keep your eyes in your inbox. Andrew, thank you so much for spending some time with us on the WP Elevation podcast. I really appreciate it, and I wish you all the best for the future of Mixergy. You bet. Thank you all. Uh, it's really good to be on here. Cheers. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the WP Elevation podcast as much as I enjoyed making it. I'm seriously high on cloud nine right now. That was probably the best 45 minutes I have spent in a long time. Andrew Warner is the real deal. He's the genuine article. I've got so much time and respect for what he's doing over at Mixergy and TrueMind, and I've been following him for a long time, and I just learned so much from all of the content and value that he adds to the community. Of course, this episode is brought to you by WPElevation.com, which I kind of think now is like Mixergy for WordPress consultants. So get on over to WPElevation.com and uh, come and join the fun. Subscribe to the podcast and the blog at WPElevation.com slash subscribe. And of course, you can visit all the links and everything we spoke about in this interview and get the video and the audio uh, in the show notes at WPElevation.com slash Andrew Warner. That's all one word. 
no spaces or hyphens. And of course, leave your comment underneath the video in order to enter the competition. We're giving away one year of Mixergy Premium, valued at $199. Tell Andrew, the number one WordPress entrepreneur you would like to see interviewed on Mixergy. I hope you are enjoying the WP Elevation podcast. Give us a five-star review on Stitcher or iTunes. It really helps us come up in the search results. I would really appreciate that. Uh, And Keep uh, elevating until next time. Go elevate.